Bigger Talks, Bigger Talks. We're back again with another phenomenal episode. And I have the joy and the privilege to have our next guest, Erica Anderson, coach, consultant, and business thinker, also an, an author and just an executive, mindful, fulfilling, strategic, educated uh, individual. So we're going to talk about a lot of things. Her most recent book is Change from the Inside Out making you, your team, and your organization change uh, in a more capable capable way. <laughs> so, Erica Anderson, welcome to the Bigger Talks podcast. How are you today? Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. And uh, what a good introduction. Yeah, I should, you should just always introduce me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you say, they say, if you got it, then you got it, then all you need is some acknowledgement, you know, so you worked and put yourself in a position yeah. to get that intro. So uh, where do we start? I mean, I think first and foremost, I just want to say thank you to Dr. Rick Brandon, who I got referral, got referred to you from him. And now you're on the podcast, you know, so phenomenal, powerful people in the business sector. Uh, it's miracle season. That's my brand name and scope, but it's a miracle uh -huh. to get to meet and connect with uh, high intellectual um, business people and just people that are phenomenal in their whole uh, genre of life. So, so Erica, talk to us, where are you from and where did the journey for self-development and evolve and start change? Where did your change start? Would you get to oh, man. where you are now? Question. So I, as we were talking a little bit before you hit the record button, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, right in the middle of the Midwest. And it was really interesting because my parents were um, very, uh, they were kind of conservative fiscally, but they were very liberal socially. And really in the, I was raised in the sixties in Nebraska with um, very specific intentional conversations about civil rights, about women's rights, about um, like, I remember once when we were, when I was 10, so we were eight, 10, 12 and 15, kind of the four kids of which I was one. And we grew up in Nebraska where there weren't very many people of color. It was, it's all white people in Nebraska pretty yeah. much, right? And so we were gonna go on a vacation. Uh, we had a trailer, you know, that we took yeah. behind our car. We're gonna go on a vacation down to the South. And our parents sat us down beforehand and told us about racism and said, you're gonna see a lot of terrible things. You're gonna see uh, like when we'll stop at gas stations and the bathrooms in the gas stations will say whites only. Mm -hmm. And then there'll be a, a black, you know, a thing that says colored people and it's an outhouse. And they told, they said, we, we look at this, notice this, this is wrong and bad. Yeah. This is 60 years ago, they're telling us this stuff, wow. right? So it was a kind of a remarkable upbringing and, and in lots of ways, and, and all four of us then kind of just went to the coasts. My older brother went to LA and my older sister and my younger brother and I ended up in New York and we kind of had to, I'm not sure we could have stayed in Nebraska in a way, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, but starting out like that and my dad especially was so curious and really encouraged us to be curious and to think deeply and to not accept what we saw in front of us if it didn't feel right to us. So, I mean, you asked. And so that's that's where my life started. And I feel like it was a, a wonderful start to life. And so for the last, you know, 70 years, I've been asking why. Yeah. And so, 
And, you know, these books that I've written, I was saying this to somebody the other day, the reason I write a book is I get curious about something. Ah, curiosity. Yeah. And with change, what I got curious about, we've had it in my company, Proteus, we've had a change practice for over a decade, but I noticed, I kept noticing how hard change was for people, you know? Mm. And then I also, so I got curious about that. Why is change so hard for us, especially change that's kind of imposed on us, you know, like when you're in an organization, people are making you change. And then I also got curious about how, okay, so change is hard. So how do we actually change? What actually happens inside an individual human being when we go through a change? Because I felt like if I found good answers to those two questions, it'd be really helpful. So that was kind of the genesis. Yeah, of this so let's book. talk about change. Why is it hard for us to change? And how do you change to get ahead and have effective results? Because no. we change every day with, this, with the climate, with the days, with, you know, yeah. just yeah. emotions. But how yeah. do we, like, why, why is it so hard for people to change? Why is that a challenge? Okay. Yeah, why is it hard? And then how do, how do we get better at it? Yes, accepting <laughs> change, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so here's what I started to think about it. So I, whenever I'm trying to answer a question like that, I always look at our history as human beings, because, you know, we are what we have been kind of and what we've learned to be. So if you think about, think about, okay, a person, 100, 200, 500 years ago, anywhere in the world, in, in the United States, in Europe, in Africa, in Asia, that person's life a couple hundred years ago would have been to us unimaginably stable, <laughs> right? Absolutely. They, they almost certainly grew up in the same place their parents grew up, ate the same food, went to the same church, did the same work. And even the changes that happened, the small changes were predictable. You know, there's a bad year for crops or somebody has a baby or somebody dies, you know, it was all just unimaginably predictable. And when a change, when a real change occasionally did happen, it would have almost always been bad, a Mm. famine or a flood or a war, right? So the best bet for human beings until very recently is like, okay, when a change comes, get back to the previous state as soon as you possibly can, go back to the known, right? Right. So think about it. That's how we're all wired for thousands of years. Is the known, is that more of a safe space or more fearful place that protects us from changing? Can you kind of give us an example of something like that for an individual? Yeah, like imagine a hundred years ago, um, somebody, or 200 years ago, and I live in Philadelphia Mm -hmm. and there's a flood, a really terrible flood. And my house gets washed away and everybody's house gets washed away. Okay, we are going to try to go back to the way it was before the flood as soon as we can, as soon as possible. Rebuild, grow the crops, make sure everybody's safe. We're going to go back to that previous known pre-flood state, right? Wow. So you basically you're saying we're going back to normalcy or what the norm was. Exactly. Actually, you just helped me understand when things like that happen in our world is actually the universe telling us it's time to change that format or the the norm is time to change and shift. Right. It's like shifting your paradigm because the event is trying to get you to say, no, don't go back like we had the pandemic. Yes. We got to change. Ah, that's good. 
and the and the and the pandemic is such a great example. We, you know, I've been dealing with all these executives and 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 a lot of the senior executives, especially the older ones, especially the guys, they <laughs> yeah. want to go back to like, okay, now everybody's going to come back to work five days a week. I'm like, no, they're not. Yeah. They're just not going to do it, and you're going to lose your best people if you try and make them. But there, there's that. Ooh, we got to go back to the way it was in 2019. No, I'm sorry, that ship has sailed. We're never going to go back to that. So we have to rewire ourselves to get better at moving forward, at changing, right? And, and it's beautifully the way you said it because it makes so much sense why progress is necessary, not only for change but for de development. So with yes. that being said, with that explanation, which was perfect how do we get comfortable accepting that it's time to change yes. what yes. state emotionally or mentally we have to be in to have the right perspective to move forward and not like trigger our own selves with our own self-imposed yes. pressure and fears <laughs> come back yes that is my favorite question i love that you asked that eric yeah oh and this is tangential but i want to say it so there's a in spanish there's this wonderful word tocayo or tocayo and it means somebody who shares your name so since I'm Erica and you're Eric, we're each other's tocayos. Ah, tocayos. I like that. The ease for energy. Uh, <laughs> Excellence. Anyway, okay. So here's the answer. So when I started thinking about like really observing and doing research, like what happens when somebody goes through a change? So we, we came to understand that it's this thing that we have now call the change arc because you know how... An arc is it gets harder going up and then it's easier coming down. So yeah. the beginning of the change arc is what we call proposed change. And what that means is when a change comes at you, almost without exception, we want to know three things. And the first thing we want to know, this is how we go through change. The yeah. first thing we want to know is what does this mean for me? Ah, good. That's great. Right? Yes. What, what am I going to have to do differently? What impact is this going to have personally on me? That's always our first question. Yes. And then the, if you think back to the beginning of the pandemic, what does this mean for me? Oh, am I going to have to wear a mask? Am I going to have to get a vaccine? Right? Yeah. So then the second question is, why is this happening? Ah. Because we have such a strong preference for the status quo, it's like, give me a really good reason. Give me a reason why I should change. So that's the second question is why. Okay. Why? And the third question is, what will it look like when the change has been made? I want to get a picture of the future. Because, you know, one of the interesting things when I was uh, writing the book, I found out that a lot of psychiatrists and neuropsychologists um, think now that our deepest fear is fear of the unknown, which completely makes sense given all we were just saying before about how we're wired. Yeah. And so if you tell somebody they're gonna to have to make a change but you don't tell them what it's going to look like afterwards, yeah. that's terrifying. That's like just walking into the dark at night, right? Yeah. So those are the three things we wanna know. What does this mean for me? Why is it happening? And what will it look like when it's done? So the questions that people start asking when a change is you know, impose upon them. It's all about that. It, what does that mean for me? Why is it happening? What will it look like? And because we have this kind of negative mindset about change, even as we're asking those questions, we already are making negative assumptions about the change. Yes. Assume, right? What we assume is that the change is going to be difficult and costly and weird. Yes. 
costume right? for sure and weird absolutely and yeah. is is some of confirmation bias is in yes. with change absolutely because it's we like absolutely. we want to make it make sense for whatever we're going so i'll share something briefly so yeah, yeah. i just recently cut my hair i had a lot of hair almost had dreadlocks and i had my hair for four years but prior to those four years i always had like a haircut you know and it was fine so I know, spiritually speaking, my spirit was like, it's time to cut your hair because I yeah. like to change. I want to change. I do not like staying the same. Yeah, so yeah. I cut my hair and then you go out in public and people say, oh my God. And the first question is, how do you feel? Do you like it? And then my aunt, it makes you question, how do you feel? Even if you know you feel okay because you've had a haircut before. Yes. So I got to cut. Went to bed that night, woke up the next day, went in the mirror, like, oh, snap, I got a haircut. Like, <laughs> I have it all in my hair. <laughs> I'm, I'm different. And it's a process, even though it's subtle, you have to get over. But I'm yes. okay because I'm okay with who I am. But I, I look at that in such a small spectrum of what people go through in like a divorce, a job promotion, um, losing a, someone close to them, yes. Uh, yes. pandemic that change yeah, of what does you. it mean yeah what does that mean for me why and yeah. what does this look like moving forward so let's let's use that as an example so let's suspect that when you first started thinking about cutting your hair you're you didn't do it at first because you thought it's going to be difficult costly and weird oh yeah. it's going to be i'm not sure i can get it right yeah. and it'll cost and and costly is interesting because it's not what people are worried about with change is not so much time and money. It's things like identity. Yeah. And, I right? need new photos. What am I yes. Instagram going to look like? How am I going to come off to the public? Oh, I'm wearing snapbacks yes. again. Yeah. How often yeah. do I get a haircut? <laughs> identity, reputation, relationships. Yeah. It's like it's going to cost me these things that are valuable yeah. to me. And weird is just like, oh, that's not, yeah. I don't, that's not how I do it. You know? <laughs> right. Yes. Right? And so then what we noticed is when, and I'm sure you came to this point in your hair saga, yeah. when people decide to make a change or decide they're okay with a change, it's almost never because something externally changes. It's because their mindset shifts yes. and they start thinking to themselves, oh, this could be easy versus difficult, or it could be at yes. least doable, right? Could be easy. Could be rewarding, could give me more than it takes away. Yeah. And it could be normal. Could be normal to have my hair completely different. I used to have it like that. Yeah. Other people have it like that. That's normal, that's right? Normal, right. And when when our it, it, it that's why the book's called Change from the Inside Out. I realized that it's this interior mindset shift. Interior mindset that is the heart of making a change. And when someone, when an individual human being starts thinking, oh. This could be easy, rewarding, and normal. Then they're willing to do it. They're willing to do the behaviors, to take the steps, to do the things that the change requires. Right. You saw it at the beginning of the pandemic. I remember when, um, you know, I, I read this article early, early on. It was in March of 2020 about social distancing. And I remember reading the article and going, that's weird. We can't do that. That's costly. That's difficult, you know? And then I reread it and I started to go, yeah, gosh, this is good science this guy's talking about. Maybe we do need to do this. And by the end of the day, I was like, okay, we're going to close the office and we're going to see what happens. And, you know, it nothing changed externally, just my mindset. Internally, yeah, your mindset. 
And with change, with all your research and with your books written and stuff you know, is there some stats on how long it takes a person to change or get through a process of change? Does it take weeks? Does it take months? Does it take hours? Or maybe it's just, it, it, it varies based on the individual. What does the, that look the like? actual change takes a moment. Yeah, I learned in the NLP, some change can happen in an instant. Yes, that moment when you go, oh, okay, I guess this could be, but act, but then, you know, sometimes it takes weeks or even months. It's, it's, it's so individual and it's so um, personal and dependent on how stuck the person is when they start, you know, right? Yeah. But it can happen in a moment. I mean, I've, haven't you had conversations with people where they're going kind of no, 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 no. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, maybe. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I never looked at it like that. Right? Oh, interesting and perspective. Yes. Yes. And so one of the things, so then the that's the first couple of chapters of the book. So then we talk about how do you help people make go through that change arc? Yes. And so uh, one of the statistics that I talk about in the book is that McKinsey has a bunch of data that shows that most organizational change efforts fail. 70% of them fail. 70%? 70%. Why? Isn't that crazy? Well, that, yeah, it is a lot. And by fail, they mean fail to achieve the, you know, the, the marks kind of like, maybe they don't fail altogether, but they don't make the money. They don't, it doesn't help the organization in the way, but so they don't, they don't work the way you hope they will. 70%, right? Yes. And what they, if you dig down into that data a little bit more, it, it turns out that the main reasons for that are lack of management support and employee buy-in. They haven't mm -hmm. gone through the change arc, right? No change arc, yeah. And they're just like, nah, nah, I no, I don't think yeah. so. I don't believe it, right? So we have this five-step change model that is a wonderful, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but it's I think it's a great way to integrate the the practical nuts and bolts things you have to do to make a change while helping all the individuals who are involved through that mindset shift, through that change up. Yeah, and it, it's, it's beautiful because I think with all of that, you, you go through the process of internally, the in interchange arc changing, yeah. then you change. My question is, once you change, there's so much uncertainty, right? So as an yeah. individual, how does one get comfortable with uncertainty that exists in that moment. So say for instance, is a young kid coming out of college. He knows he's gonna be drafted into the NBA, but he doesn't know where he's gonna go. Now he automatically is changing because he's getting drafted to go to the pros, but he's so, un so much uncertainty. Yeah. Is there even a way to feel comfortable or you're dating someone for six months and then you know it's at some time it might be time for the relationship, but it's yeah. so much uncertainty because there's no, you don't know what's next, but you're in it. Yes. How do you get comfortable in uncertainty after you change over a period of time? Oh, I love that question. So I think it comes back again to um, mindset. Okay. If you're like one of the things that I talk about in the book is if you if you look at change books on change that were written 10 or 20 or 30 years ago, it kind they kind of act like all right, so we're just going to do this one change. We're going to pick the organization up. We're going to shake it around. We're going to put it back down again. And then we're done, you know? Yes. 
And, and so it's, you know, give a man a fish versus teach him how to fish. And so in, in, in our approach and in my book, I say what, you know, the subtitle, making you, your team, your organization more change capable, better at going through that uncertainty. So as you get better at sh kind of shifting your own mindset, it's this wonderful thing where Okay, so let me talk about mindset. So you know that we all talk to ourselves all the time. Right? I do it all all day, every day. We all do. We're, it's like that little Chiron that runs at the bottom of the news feed. It's like we're yeah. just saying stuff to ourselves all the time, right? And some of it is pretty benign. It doesn't really matter. It's like, I like oranges. It's really hot today. That guy has big nose. You know, we just say all yeah, kinds yeah, of random yeah, stuff yeah. to ourselves all the time. But some of the stuff we say to ourselves, especially stuff about change, is really unhelpful. We reinforce that, oh, this is going to be really like, uh, let's use your example of a kid who gets into the NBA and hasn't the faintest idea what that's going to be like. Okay. So he could, his self-talk could be, oh my God, this is going to be really hard. And I'm not going to know anybody. It's going to be terrible. And, you know, just turning that uncertainty into negativity, yes. into difficult, costly, weird, right? Yes. Or he could say, wait, 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 wait. I don't, I don't, I really don't know if it's going to be good or bad. I know I'm a good football player, a good basketball player. I know that they have, I'm sure they must have ways to onboard new people. I know how to ask good questions, right? Yeah. So you can talk to yourself in ways that acknowledge the uncertainty ah. And say, what can I do about it? Versus going, oh, this is going to be horrible, and I don't have the face. Yeah. So I have a really, really deep question, and I don't know if you can answer it, but I want to ask it because, with that being said, I'm thinking, okay, cool. You just helped me. You just helped me understand the conversation you have in your mind about uncertainty. You can change it. So yeah. therefore, you can change it to a more positive versus a negative. Yes. Does that mean you attract better or more? Or, or better outcome versus if you were in your negative? Because I always think about how we attract people into our life and in, in our yeah. vortex. So I'm yes. thinking like a player like that who has the right mindset and perspective about where he potentially can go. If you look at it like more positive outcome, yes. does his outcome be more positive if it doesn't work out or does it become negative? Like does that, basically what I'm saying, does that alter the outcome based on the thoughts and the mentality? I love that question. And yes, the, okay. my observation is if, if I can get my self-talk, you know, how I'm yes. talking to myself about an unknown situation, if I can get it just to neutral, because yes. if you make it too positive, then you're going to be all disappointed. You're not being real. Yes. Right? <laughs> you're not being real. Exactly right. Yeah. You want to be a fair witness. So you get it to neutral. So that kid who's in the NBA, the proper thing for him to be saying to himself was, I don't know. And I'm going to do everything I can to make it work. I and here's what I do know: I'm a good athlete. They they had confidence in me. I know that's true. I already know this one guy who I like. The the things that um, if you're going to say positive things, they have to be believable. They have to be real, <laughs> yes. right. And then and then everything else you just say neutral. It's so good to get to neutral about change, because like then to your point you're open for what comes. So in, in, in a nutshell, you just explained when it's uncertainty, because you answered that question in so many different ways that I got different answers coming through. 
it's best to be neutral when uncertainty yeah. arrives and yes. have a more neutral perspective and outlook because therefore you can save yourself anxiety, stress, yes, and, and yes, create yes. a better opportunity moving forward that's more certain. Absolutely. That's a yes. great way to summarize it. And it also, what I've noticed is when I can get myself uh, neutral mentally about an uncertain situation, it's like the there's less white noise in my head. Yes. There's less static, right? Yeah. And so then I can actually observe what's really going on and I can take advantage of the good stuff. Yeah. There was this great guy. Did, did you ever hear of a guy named Branch Rickey? Do you know that name? He sounds familiar. Branch Rickey. Who is he? He was a real seminal figure in American baseball. He he yeah. uh, he brought. Um, you know, the first black player and the first Hispanic player into the major leagues. And he kind of invented the farm team system. He was an amazing guy. And um, he, he said that he used to, I guess his saying that he used to like to say was luck is the residue of design. Ooh. Isn't that a wonderful e quote? E elaborate on that. I love it. He just Twinkle yeah. my toes. Yeah. <laughs> Luck so is the residue of design. Interesting. Yeah. So what that means to me is people look at somebody and they go, oh, that person's so lucky. But what Ricky, what Branch Ricky was saying is when you think somebody's lucky, it's just because they have the proper mindset. They have the proper orientation. They've thought through what they want to have happen. They've done that design inside their heads yes. and now they're open. And so when something wanders by that they can take advantage of, they take advantage of it because they can see it. They can see it because they neutralize ah, yeah. the mind to right? see it. Because I feel like when you're neutral, you can kind of see it from both ways and you don't stray too way too yes. strong and you're able to yes. have equilibrium and balance and say, you know what? I yes. like this. This could happen, but I'm going to be neutral and I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to be open exactly. to the outcome and I'm going to let that determine where I go moving forward. Precisely. And to use the word confirmation bias before, if you're neutral, you don't get tripped up by your yeah. confirmation <laughs> Yeah, because that's the confirmation bias we're always looking for. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That's why they would do this and that. And honestly, that, that's why I go back to the question prior that that secures and verify confirmation bias when we think a certain way and then we think something didn't happen because we're looking for it and like oh that's why they didn't call me back clearly and so it goes back to attraction right what we're thinking we attract exactly some things exactly our exactly. mind is so powerful it's amazing our mind is powerful my yeah. my older brother who sadly died last year he was ill for a long time and does such an amazing person and he used to say um every head is a planet. Wow. And I totally agree with that. Like we are all, we're all creating our own reality all the time. Yeah. And so much of our experience of life is what's going on inside our head. And we don't realize how much control we have yes. over what's going on inside our head and over how we see what's happening around us. Right. And, and it's interesting, God bless you, your brother's soul, because it's still here present to this day, because he just came up in yeah. this conversation. Everybody yeah. here is a planet. I love that. That's a quote. We should put it on a shirt. Uh, what planet <laughs> it is, I don't know, Mars, Venus, Jupiter. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's one of those things that I've discovered as an individual. I can control how I see things, right? If I change the way I look at things, the things I look at change. 
Yes. Me growing up in a negative yeah. environment of Baltimore City, it was a lot of negativity in the environment. If I would attach myself or engaged in that energy of negativity, I would become it. But mm -hmm. I always say when I was a kid, it has to be something better than just this. Goes yeah. back to the beginning. I was curious. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so you that curiosity like neutralized my yeah. thoughts and emotions to not be so vetted into that space because it was my environment that I didn't become it and allow me to push out in the track and do different and better things and have conversations like this today. Yes, I 1 million percent agree with you. There's a, there's a, um, I can't remember who it was, some Greek philosopher who said this wonderful thing and then Eleanor Roosevelt picked up on it, but I, it's exactly what you're saying. He said, we can't always control our circumstances but we can always control our reaction to those circumstances. Yeah. And it, 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 and the feed off of that, I think the uh, Napoleon Hill, maybe, uh, uh, what's this guy, as a man thinker, forgot the author. He said, man is willing to change his circumstances, but he's not willing to change himself. Yes. But if he's willing yes. to change himself, his circumstances will change. Yes. And it yes. goes back to your book, Changing yeah. from the Inside Out. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. We so, can all just we can yeah, <laughs> so so with the book, uh, with the book now, is there any information about some people having a capacity to change more than others based on DNA, genetic or psychological, like growth mindset versus fixed fixed mindset? Is there some type of information on that or is it just more general idea of changing from your perspective? So as I say, it's like a fingerprint. Every person's ability to become change capable is impacted by so much. It's impacted by all the same things that lead to growth and fixed mindset, by your upbringing and how you think of yourself and whether or not you're willing to do the work to kind of break through your limitations. Yeah. It's so individual. So what I always try and do in my books is lay out a really practical path. Yes for whatever, like in the Be Bad First book, it's how do you get to be a better learner? In, in the change book, it's how can I become more change capable? And then I feel like I just offer it and yeah. an individual does what they can do, you know? Right. And for you, how do you continue to grow and change? What is something you do in, in an intangible way every day that, that keeps you consistent on changing? Do you read a lot? Do you meditate? Do you pray? Do you go for walks? Do you work out? I think the listeners would love to know from someone so powerful as you are, because we only get to see what you show us and we don't understand what you do when you're not showing us what you what, yeah, what, what, yeah, what yeah. you consist of. What do you do that help you change and grow and evolve in a productive way? Oh man, these are such great questions, Eric. So one thing I do that's very specific is for the last five years, I've been learning to speak Spanish. Okay. Because it Un really, poquito espanol. <laughs> yeah, yo puedo hablar espanol bastante bien ahora. So, sí, no comprende. <laughs> I don't even know what she said. And um, it's, 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 it's a great example because it goes up against not, uh, I think it's so much easier if people learn languages early in life, but you know, pretty advanced life to learn a whole new language it really runs up against all that difficult, costly, weird stuff, you know? Yeah. And so I notice 
having to change my mindset every time. And what my husband and I have found a part of Northern Spain that we really love that I think we're going to probably buy a little place there. And almost nobody speaks English. So don't really have a choice when I go there. I have to yeah. speak Spanish. Right? Get yourself in a position where you have to do it. Yeah. And it's a stretch. Every time it's a stretch, it's like that thing in you goes up, but I don't know how to, what if they think I'm, you know, so that's a, that's a big one. And I work on it every day. And whenever I'm around somebody who speaks Spanish, I try and speak Spanish. So that's a big one. But then just in general, I really try to back to the beginning, stay curious and open about every change that comes my way. You know, whether it's with work, like I'm shifting my relationship to work some, I'm pulling back from the day-to-day running of my company and my partners are running it now. And that's a big change. And watching my reaction to that and getting better at that. I'm, you know, I just turned 70. So like- Oh, you look amazing. You're not, I I don't know what 70 looks like, but I wouldn't have thought that. You look incredible. (laughs) Let's go, Erica. (laughs) Oh yeah. So what is that, you know, what's that shift and what does that mean? And what does it mean to be kind of like a tribal elder in a way? And, you know, there's so, so many things to be curious about and notice. And as you said at the very beginning, our lives change every day in ways big and small. Yeah, and so I just always try and practice what I preach. You know, Amen. Because I th- I think and, and believe great change come with comes with great awareness. Being aware that you're changing and thinking about the change. Yes. So I want to you know go back into change, but I want to go into the the book previous to change from the inside out is be bad first, get yeah. good at things fast to stay ready. So. Yeah. About four years ago, I hired a speech coach, a dialect coach. You know, I'm from Baltimore, so we have strong accents. And so instead of saying Baltimore, we might say Baltimore. Instead of saying mother, we might say mother. So going into, you know, the one-on-one sessions, we're doing puh, buh, duh, blah, right? And she's like, I guess she felt that I would feel um, ashamed. And I'm like, no, I want to get better. But it's interesting, like, over the course of the time, because I was so focus on changing certain words and consonants and finishing words and all these things. I was hyper-focused. I thought I was making mistakes, right? Yes. However, when I did on-camera interviews or things would happen, I'm like, wow, my language and my dialect and my diction is changing. But in the moment, it didn't feel that way because I I felt like I was still struggling. So is there some type of informational awareness or information you might have that that there's a moment where no matter what you think you feel, eventually you're going to change because it's human nature. You're doing the work. Yes. Sometimes we can't see the progress or the change because we're showing up every day, but we don't think we're doing as great as others see. Like the guy you said earlier uh, who neutralized um, his mindset, he's able to grab on opportunity, but people think he's lucky. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so two two things. Um, I love this and I do love about learning. In fact, when I when I decided to learn to speak Spanish, it was right after my la- the Be Bad First book came out because I thought I really need to, pra- again, practice what I preach. What's something that I can learn to do that I, you know, I can use my skills. So two things, and I love your example is great. So what the first thing is, again, self-talk, right? Self-talk, okay. So the perfect self-talk, it turns out, for learning a new thing is a balance of saying two, two things to yourself. One is, I'm not good at this now. Yes. Right? Yes. And the other is, I can get good at this. Ah. 
It's so good. It's it gives you faith. Yes. People tend to over-index on one or the other. Some people just say, oh, I'm not good at this. And then that's all. And then they don't think they could do it. And they just, you know, it bumps them out. Some people is like, I'm good at this. I'm already good. No, I'm bad at it now because I'm just yeah. starting. And I can get good. I'm capable of getting good at it. And if you just keep saying those two things to yourself in balance over, that's what, what moves you along that learning curve, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. thing one. And thing two is, find some find somebody to spot you because you said you know when you when you listen to a video then you're like oh i am getting better you gotta we all when we're trying to learn we have to have people in our lives who care about us who are willing to tell us the truth <laughs> and who see us clearly right and then because the, you can't like you can't see the spinach in your own teeth, right? You got to have people in your life who you can turn to and say, am I getting better at this? And if you are, they'll say yes. Yep. And if you're not, they'll say no. Yeah. Right. Feedback is motivation, good or bad. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. yes. And feedback is a, a, a partner of mine once told me a business, my first business partner. He used to say this great thing about um, feedback being the breakfast, lunch and dinner of champions. And Ooh, he said, like is that, that great? Yeah, and that's a bigger talks you, moment. The, what did yeah. he say that again? Feedback is the, the breakfast, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, dinner of champion. champion. And the reason he said that is because feedback is the only way we learn. Wow. And I said, Marty, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean? He said, okay, think about it this way. When a little kid is trying to learn to talk, it turns out, that if a kid who can hear is raised by two deaf parents and there's nobody else in the environment, the kid won't learn to talk. Wow. Right? Because he won't cord. get that, he won't get that feedback that all children get of like, oh honey, did you hear? He said mom, he said, he said book, he said doggy, right? They don't, they don't hear that. So the kid doesn't get that feedback and doesn't learn to talk. People, did you hear what she said? Feedback is the only way we learn. Interesting. Right? That's so true. I always would say feedback is motivation because you have naysayers and doubters, and then you have people who celebrate you and support you. It's still feedback in your yeah. learning, what to take yeah. in, how to process it, and then you're able to change. <laughs> right. And but think about th think about all the things we learn when we're zero to five, you know. We learn to talk, we learn to walk, we learn to, uh, you know, interact with other people, we learn to eat. That only happens because we get feedback. Like when a kid stands up and tries to walk and then does something with their balance that makes them fall down, that's feedback. It's feedback. And they get up and try it again and gradually learn how to balance themselves and move forward and do their arms and legs. That's all because they're getting feedback from the environment, from gravity. If a kid, again, like the kid with deaf parents, if a kid was in a weightless environment, mm -hmm. they probably wouldn't learn how to walk because they'd never get that feedback, right? Feedback, you need feedback from everything. The universe, yes. parents, friends, the environment. Yes. Yes. So, just, so just to give the people, the listeners, some feedback, how do <laughs> individuals going through change um, far as quitting a job, leaving a job, uh, being promoted, new relationship, uh, leaving a relationship, uh, new opportunity. How do they 
embrace change or what would you be advice in their moment? Because I feel like the people I'm talking about, they're kind of like in the middle of their, either their celebration yes, or yeah. their chaos, right? Of changing and accepting yeah. it and going to the next level. Like what is, what is your first word of advice or intention for someone who's in a, not an uncomfortable situation, but not so comfortable. It's a little uncertainty. They know they must change, but they're so afraid of changing, but even though they are changing. So I'm, I, again, I love that you asked this question. So it's interesting. We have this, um, I said before, we, and it's in the book, we have this five-step change model that we use with organizations. But what I've been realizing recently is that it's great for individual change too. So let me just walk you through it. So let's say somebody is trying to decide whether or not to leave their job, right? And look mm -hmm. for another job. Yes. Big change. A lot of people Big think change. this. Okay. So the first step of our model is called clarify the change and why it's needed. Mm, I like that. Right? So that's, so before you just roll into it, you know, some people just quit their job. I hate this job. It's like, hold up, hold up. Hold up. Yeah. Really get clear about why you want to make a change and what that change would be. So really think, think. really use your brain and think like, okay, do I want to, do I not like this kind of work or do I not like this company or do I not like having a full-time? What, what do I not like about this that I actually want to change? So let's get real clear about what I want to change Clarity. and then why. Okay. I hate the toxic culture of this. Okay. That's a good why that, okay. I'm so just get really clear about what's the change you're contemplating. Why do you want to make it? Okay. That's step one. Then step two is and this is back to what we were talking about before, envision the future state. What would good look like? Good. Because a lot of times people roll into a change without having a clear idea of what they're really going for. You know, do I want to, so what would good look like? It would be, I'm working in an organization where I really care about the purpose of the organization and the people around are good people and it's full-time, but it's not like 60 hours a week, okay. And it's in this part of the country, you know, you just get as clear as you can about the future that you want, that you hope will yes. happen if you make the change, right? So that's yes. step two. And then step three is you build the change. You actually make a plan like, okay, what do I need to do? Do I need to get my resume on? Do I need to call a recruiter? Do I need to look online? What's the best way to find those jobs? How do I vet them? What kind of questions do I want to ask to make sure if it would line up with my future? So you build that. And that's plan. a great point. That's like building rapport with change. Yes. It's like yeah. you're building rapport with it. Like, okay, we know we're doing this. Let's, how do we build rapport in a positive, effective way to exactly. make it move to the next step? Precisely. And then step four is we call lead the transition. So you actually do the things you said you were going to do, and you you kind of manage your own mindset as you start to get freaked out. It's like, calm down. I, plan, I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm doing it. I know what I'm going for. I've got a plan in place that to make it seem more, you know, easy, rewarding, and normal for yourself, right? And then you keep the change going. And if if people approach change in that kind of planful way that balances their mental model and the practical things they need to do. I think that's the best way to go through change. Yeah. Cause it's a process is it's structure. Yeah. You have structure around change and you're not just changing because you feel an emotion or you were traumatized by a situation. You're kind of processing it, understanding it and saying, okay, this is clear. This is, I have some certainty here. I think I want to move forward. And then yes. you can see the future, right? 
you know? Because some things and we I, can visualize, but in the moment, we probably can't see past that moment. Isn't that interesting? Like, I yeah. can see myself in a place, but in a moment, I can't see that place uh, the, the way I see it in my mind, if that makes sense. It's like, if you're in the gym, I, I- If you can see the moment, then you can almost always build a path to that moment. Ah, okay, that's good. Right, Good. and I've, I've, I, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, brag about my kids. So I have uh, yeah. three kids: one, I, two biological, one acquired. You know, mm -hmm. I have three kids: two daughters and a son. And over the last year, they're all married. They all have kids. And over the last year, they've all moved. They've moved. My older daughter and her husband and their kids moved from upstate New York to Maine. My son and his wife and their kids moved from LA back to Brooklyn. My um, younger daughter, who's a doctor, ha is ha having to move to do a fellowship in her specialty. And they all approached it in this really planful way. They didn't just like, well, I guess we're going yeah. back. To yeah. you know, they, yeah, yeah. they really thought about why, why are we doing this? What will it look like? What, what actually is the change? They made a plan. They got through the difficulties and, and I, it's so cool because they've yeah. all made these changes and they're really successful. And they did it like, as my son said to me, I did this like a grown ass man. You know, I didn't yeah, just- there you go. Preparation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, yeah. Erica, this was a phenomenal discussion. Thank you for giving so much wisdom and information and insight. Uh, for the listeners, is there anything you want to share before we get off here? And how can we get this book? We need the book. Where do we find it? How do we purchase yes. it? Is it yeah, an yeah, ebook? Yeah. Is it a physical copy? Should we come to your website? Let us know all <laughs> the deeds. <laughs> okay. So it's on Amazon and okay. it's a hard copy ebook and audiobook, which I recorded. So oh, you can listen to me talk. Okay. And um, you can go to my website, which is ericaanderson.com, E-R-I-K-A-A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N, both spelled a little weirdly, .com. And there you can find out about all the books and my podcast, and you can go from there. Oh, yeah. What is your podcast? Website. It's called The Proteus Leader Show. Oh, and what's the synopsis of that? Real quick for it's us. It's just a quick 15-minute kind of um, tips and insights for leaders and managers. Got it. So people follow her, get the podcast, subscribe to that as well. Buy the book. <laughs> Please buy the book. That would be good. And I think, yeah. uh, you know, my, I, as I said, I write books when I get curious, but my main motivation for writing books is always to help people. I always want to share something that I think will be useful for people to create the lives they want to have. That's absolutely. And we need that. I always say information changes situations. Yeah, And I feel like when we're lacking something, it's because we're lacking information yes. or we don't have the right perspective on a thing we think we should do because we haven't made the plan. We just yeah. jump to yeah. conclusion because a thought or a scenario without really processing what that means and building that rapport of change. So Erica, thank you for your time, your energy and your essence. This was beautiful. This was another phenomenal Bigger Talks episode. And um, I'm pretty sure the listeners and everyone from all over the world will love this. And we need to follow you. You're on Twitter, right? Because you're not on Instagram. But yeah, yeah. Erica, I was an, I'm an early adopter on Twitter. So it's just yeah. Erica Anderson. Got it. Well, that's it. That's all. People, Erica Anderson, she's phenomenal. Um, the coach, the consultant, the business thinker, but she's all about changing from the inside out and helping you be capable with changing for yourself and your business and your life. Thank you once again. Bigger Talks, we're out.